Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Hello, everybody. I used to say, hey, all you cool kids, but I don't know if you've watched Tiger King, but um, it kind of ruined it for me. So <laughs> howdy, everyone. Thanks for, turn thanks for tuning in again to The Profitable Photographer. Before I introduce the super nice, super awesome Chris Woolley, so I wanted to let you know that I'm starting a mastermind group called Your Best Year Yet. I did a survey between my sales course and this group and the overwhelming request was for this class. And it's going to be something where it's not just me teaching, it's also a chance for people to present a challenge and let the rest of the group give ideas. So kind of a classic mastermind mixed with some of the ideas in my brain and experiences and so forth. So check my website and you'll see a link to either set up a quick chat or sign up and be sure that you are on my email list and my that you've gotten my seven marketing tips from lucydumascoaching.com. Remember Lucy with an I. So that's my little uh, shameless plug. <laughs> And now I want to introduce the great and amazing Chris Woolley. Chris Hello, is a Lucy. Hi, Chris. <laughs> so Chris is a master craftsman photographer and a CPP. He's an educator. He has a retail portrait studio in Spokane, Washington. And his specialty is very fun. Well, half of it to me. <laughs> which is the vintage inspired portraits and then he also does commercial portraits and headshots he's a counselor with the professional photographers of america he's chairman of the professional photographers of washington he's won a ton of awards he has gotten the aci image excellence award the ppa national award for the support that he gives for our industry and he's also someone that loves to teach and do workshops and meetups across the country. So welcome. Yeah, that's how Chris. we first met, Lucy. <laughs> I know. Um, well, that seems like forever ago. What was it at the Wall Portrait Conference? Yes. I think that's where I very first got to see your smiling face. <laughs> yes. So I uh, introduced, so I interviewed Don McGregor, who is also a Wall Portrait Conference teacher. And, you know Don, yeah? Yep. He's just north of us. Yeah. So He's, I don't know if he'll be before you or after you, but yeah, I've met the best people at the Wall Portrait Conference and don't you wish we could meet up again this summer? Oh, so much, so much so. Isn't it amazing what happens when you get a group of people together that just want to get better at their craft? It yeah. just it has that positive energy that's just going about. It's like a mastermind group where you're getting together with cool people and it's like, all right, how do we get better? How do we do more? It's just got such a, a contagious uh, effect to it. Maybe contagious isn't the best word right now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's got a, a, it's inspiring. We'll leave it at that one. It is. And I would say, especially at that conference where we were together morning, noon, and night, every meal, a lot of the best stuff that came out of it was 
not from the teachers, you know, not discounting what you and I and, and all the others contributed, but it was those conversations over meals or on the breaks or, you know, out in the lawn with the happy hour time. <laughs> yeah. Glass of wine and the sun shining down and <laughs> just kind of decompressing and sharing. Yeah. Oh, I learned so much there. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're involved in your state conventions and different things. And I find that over the years, things I learned from the camaraderie at conventions is important and things like West Coast School, uh, where you spend a week with one teacher, but then you're also on campus with other people taking that. Have you done West Coast School classes? I have not. No, it's on my to-do list. I haven't gone to Texas either. That's also on my to-do list. (laughs) My wife's going this year. Oh, good. If going to West Coast School or Texas? Uh, To Texas. This year. Is it happening? No, maybe not. I don't know. She's registered for it. So we'll okay. see. Okay. Well, we'll see. I'm not updated on that. <laughs> That's on her calendar. This recording lives in infamy. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm sure you would be on team education with me for those week-long classes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So anywho, so thank you so much, Chris, for uh, saying yes to being on my show. I'm honored to be here, Lucy. Yeah. So people like to know where the heck did this guy come from? So can you share a little about your story of how you decided to do what you do? Get into photography? Sure. Uh Uh, So uh, I didn't really take photography seriously till I was in high school and I was actually selling stuff on eBay back when that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I took a photography course so that I could figure out how to take better pictures because I noticed that the prettier pictures got more money. And I was like, oh, okay, there's something to this. And so um, I took a course and started learning like how a camera actually worked and how to control things and make stuff look better. And I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. And then started selling (laughs) uh, stuff for more money on eBay. And I was like, okay, I'm liking this. And uh, since I had a camera and had some knowledge with it, then I just started doing more photography and spent some time in the dark room. And I was like, wow, this is kind of addicting. Uh, So kind of fast forward and uh, went and got a degree in education and theater and started teaching, but uh, found that I really, really enjoyed photography. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do what makes my heart happy. And so I stopped all of the, uh, the public education stuff and got into the photography realm and kind of jumped in both feet, not really knowing what I'm doing and struggled a bit and kind of figured it out and found some great people that kind of helped guide me in a good direction. And then fast forward a little bit and I found a couple of niches that were just absolutely clicked with my personality, what I love to do and what I love to create. Um, So instead of doing general purpose photography, so doing weddings, seniors, babies, and everything else under the sun, I was like, okay, I'm going to do two things that I really, really enjoy. Retro photography, so like vintage pinups and stuff, and then uh, headshots. And specifically, I love working with actors and small businesses. Mm. So that's kind of the the two areas in life that I, I shine in. And that's what I've built my business around and been doing that for the last decade or just slightly over that. So you're a dual nicher. <laughs> yes. I, I, I have a, a dual wielding niche. Yep. Yes. So tell me about the vintage inspired portraits. Can you explain a little bit about? Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm talking specifically about like the 1940s era pinups is how I got started. Um, So if you've seen like uh, Elvgren or Vargas or the Bomber Nose Art, the girls that were painted on the sides of the planes, or even like Marilyn Monroe or Betty Page, 
um, any of those uh, types of iconic figures as kind of an offshoot or a different way of looking at like boudoir type photography. Uh, only it's I think a little bit classier, a little bit more mysterious, and it's got that romanticism or the Americana that comes through with it. And I got started in it because I had some clients that absolutely loved that era of photography. Uh, or that just that general look, uh, they kind of lived that lifestyle. And they wanted to know if I could do a pinup session for them. I was like, well, that sounds kind of fun. So I uh, gave it a shot. And I just had a blast doing it. It was so much fun playing in the period styles, because I like to geek out about making things look authentic and actually have authentic styles that go to them from the clothing, hair, makeup, lighting styles, perspectives, uh, social taboos, all of that kind of combining it all into one thing. Um, so created these pinups for one of my clients and then she loved them and told her friends. And so they wanted to come in and have them done too. And then I just started doing more and more and more of them. And I was like, wow, okay, I can actually just do nothing but uh, these pinups and survive as a business. This is kind of fun. And when you get to do what you love all day and it's just all fun and creative, it's like, okay, why would I not want to do this? So that's kind of how I got started in that uh, uh, area uh, specifically. And it's grown a little bit for, uh, instead of just being that 1940s, 1950s, now I kind of take it through the 1920s. So kind of that Gatsby sort of look all the way up through the 1960s. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I am referring to when I say that, that vintage inspired. Anything that has that retro flair to it, I, I'm on board with. So do you do some of the 30s Harrell? Have you done the, the Hollywood glamour I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Uh, it does have very stylized kind of hard lighting that goes to it. But oh, it's got so much romance in it. Uh, we're looking at the 1930s where we do get that overly processed Hollywood type lighting. Uh, we have those harsh lights coming in that glamour glow. Uh, it's just got such a romance and a beauty to it. I love it. Yes. So hey, Chris, you'll be envious. I was uh, garage sailing and I saw this, I wasn't sailing, I was going to garage sales. Yep. <laughs> and there was this photograph in one of those old plastic frames that popped out from the wall from the 70s. And I thought it was a black and white photograph. And I was like, huh, that kind of looks like a Harrell. And I took off the little paper that backing and it was a photograph not something cut out from a uh, like a calendar or something and it was only two dollars <laughs> so I was like yes please I will I will have this and it turns out it is a Harrell it's a it's like an 11 by 17 and uh, it's of Joan Crawford from Grand Hotel is that what the movie so early Joan Crawford when she was in Ingenue for two dollars <laughs> that sounds so amazing I'm jealous I'm jealous yes. So being educated sometimes pays off, you know, because my eye was like, er, what is this? This has a Harrell quality. Oh my gosh. So anywho. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. So how and what do you sell your vintage clients? Sure. So I really focus on creating an experience for them. I found that that's kind of where I meet my happy median in life. I've got all that information and training in terms of like, how do you actually be profitable as a photographer and offer everything for your clients, create that experience and also get the higher dollar sales, uh, which is also what we're after. So that makes it a little bit more worth it. And so physical print products is where I live at. That's what I like to do. I focus on creating some sort of wall art piece, kind of a statement piece, as well as like albums or calendars, um, occasionally smaller prints, but 
the most part, focusing on that statement piece and the albums. And I'm a huge fan of Metal Prince. I think that it um, plays really nicely in with the style. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my studio signature piece is just having that uh, metal print. Um, I like to have kind of the standoff mounts on them. I think they look like rivets from uh, the bomber, old bomber nose art. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of a fun little thing. They glow amazing when you have like a light focused on it. And so that's my main kind of centerpiece. Um, Although I do offer uh, canvases and frame prints as well. I would think also that uh, something printed on watercolor paper to have that actual pinup postery look to it like you know when when the the uh, soldiers would actually take them and pin them up in their lockers and in their on the ships and things have you ever uh, explored that now getting into the the fine art uh, papers i found that uh, the fine art papers tend to have a little bit lower contrast to them right and i really love the uh the colors and the vividness to really pop um, and so I've kind of steered away in terms of what my brand is from that. Um, so instead of going with the the more muted watercolor type tones, um, I tend to go with something that's a little bit more vivid, vibrant, um, and higher contrast. Found that it hits my style really well, but that would 100% be on brand with what uh, something from that era would be. So I like what you're saying about what's on your brand. Is what I, I see a lot with newer photographers when they're posting their price list is they'll list everything. Wood, metal, <laughs> acrylic, canvas, uh, gicle, which is really just a digital print. But I like what I heard that you determine what you like and what fits your work the most mm-hmm. and create that. Now, I imagine if somebody said, hey, I love something that has sort of a more of a, a muted postery look, you do it, but it's not what you put forward. Absolutely. Yep. So like on my uh, pricing structure, I try to keep it simple and um, it's hard to uh, kind of find that balance between how much you charge for a print versus how much you charge for canvas versus how much you charge for metal or acrylic or any other format that you're on. So I simplified it and said that the medium doesn't matter. They're buying the artwork, not what it's printed on. And so I charge the same price, whether it's a photographic print or whether it's metal. That way, my client's going to be purchasing the size that's within what their budget is and the space that's going on. But instead of worrying about that format, we can, or the medium that it's printed on, uh, we can focus on what they want and then make the decision with what's going to be most appropriate for it. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Simplicity Sells. Did you ever meet Victor Avila? I did not. I have not. He was a master and a teacher and, you know, Ken, Ken Whitmire era photographer. And what he always said when he taught or when he was judging is simplicity breeds elegance. And so same kind of thing, the simplicity in our price list, I think breeds the upscale impression when you said you create an experience for people. I think part of the experience is even how you present your pricing. And um, yeah, so I love that. Any other thoughts on the, the products and pricing and stuff? Yeah, so it, pricing doesn't just come up and the products don't just come up at the sales session. And I know you're a fan of this process too. I like to make sure that my clients know what we're doing from the get-go. That way there's no surprises. That's kind of that classic overcoming objections before they become objections. Mm-hmm. And so from day one, when we start with that consultation, 
we're already planning for what our end result is. And so it's not going to be a big surprise that we're working towards a statement piece uh, or creating an album. And I actually let our, that conversation guide how the rest of the session goes. So not every session is going to be the same thing. Uh, for instance, uh, if we're talking about doing one of these sessions and we want to have a statement piece, knowing where it's going to go is going to be super appropriate. Uh, if this is going to be something that's in the bedroom, we can get a little bit more cheesecake, a little bit more for his eyes only type thing. If it's going to be something that's going to be a main statement piece, it's like in the living room or they're showing off. We want to play into those iconic styles and make sure that we're going to be appropriate for what the audience is. Uh, we also want to factor in the size of what our final piece is and the viewing distance from it to see if we need to have something that's just going to be a complement to the room that it's in or something that's just going to go wow and draw all the eyes into it or be a complex composite that's coming through. So we really start thinking about these details and the planning ahead of time. And I'm kind of getting that uh, soft confirmation from the client on what we're going to end up with at the very end product. So when it comes time to do that previewing time, it's more about us picking out what we want versus me selling or trying to convince them that they need it or them getting all the wants and then getting kind of sticker shock. We're mm -hmm. talking about all of this right up front throughout the course of the process. If um, I'm shooting a series of things. So again, this is kind of that pinup genre. So we can have fun with playing with props and themes. And so if we're starting to do those types of things, I might have a little bit of a sequence that goes on. Uh, so if we're playing with a, a prop, we might do a series of images, maybe two to four images that kind of tell a little bit of a story just in how they're interacting with it. Say picking up the phone or making some cookies in the kitchen, doing a baking type thing or something that's more military themed. We can kind of play with this little bit of a, a series and then that could work well as a series of portraits for like a wall grouping or could be a spread or several spreads inside of an album. So mm -hmm. I'm talking about this as we're doing the session, kind of prepping them and priming them for what we're going to be creating after the fact. And that really changes the conversation during the, uh, the sales or preview process because they're now anticipating and excited for the opportunities of uh, what we can create from these final images uh, versus trying to decide what they want. And now that we have cool stuff, what do they want to do with it? It's so interesting now to be doing this and coaching because I discover how the brain gets a little thought up there and then how you sometimes have to set a hook and a bait and reel it in. <laughs> you just so need a big net. So I love what you're saying about what I call planting those seeds for purchase. And what I always feel like is when we have them look around their home, and I don't know if you do this, but I have them photograph the spaces that are potentially wall portrait areas and measure. And I feel like once they start thinking that would be a great space for some portraits, then they're kind of in that anticipation, the wall looks kind of lonely. So they're, they're kind of eager. Is that, do you have them photographed? Do you go to their home? How do you determine with your approach as a decorator? How do you determine that? Uh, my process, so we covered this during the uh, the consultation process and it does vary depending on what the needs of the, the client are going to be. So if we are looking for that statement piece that's going to be in public view, uh, that one we definitely want to plan around and know what that size and spacing is. So yes, I am doing photographs or might do a mock-up and kind of do some back and forth. So we can get some sizing and spacing ideas figured out, such as, are we shooting vertically or horizontally for this? Uh, does it need to have a statement piece? Is there going to be surrounding artwork? So it needs to have more space in it inherently. 
so it kind of stands out from the rest of the wall? Or is it going to be something that's a little bit more intimate and going to be in with other images or inside something like a bathroom, a closet, or the bedroom uh, that's a little bit more private location? So my question is, do you go to their home or do you have them photograph? Yeah, uh, usually have them photograph it. So I, I don't always go to their home unless we are planning on doing the session at their home. Then I will go and scout that for our location shooting. Yeah. So it's the seed planting. And then um, can you talk about how what you're creating is decor, not photographs, a la Ken Whitmire's Wall Portrait Conference training? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm determined to keep that legacy going forever. It breaks my heart. I can't interview him, but at least his, uh, I guess we're his disciples. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We can take the word forward. So anyway, so share about that, because I know that's that's what you're doing. Yeah, what we're looking at is creating more than just a a picture of what they look like. Uh, When we're doing these uh, retro sessions, I'm having a hair and makeup artist come in, and we're putting them in period uh, hair and makeup. We have heavily invested in figuring out our clothing, our looks, our props, all of this stuff that's coming towards creating this final image. So this isn't something that's just kind of a random show up, we do it, dress up, have fun, and go away, uh, like you might have when you say dressing up in the Western outfits or something. But instead, we're very, very uh, diligently crafting what our final looks are going to be, and so that we can make sure that we're getting all the assets required to do that. And so part of that process is I'm working with the clients to kind of create what that final look is. So we're brainstorming ideas and I have tons of them and I get excited about what their passions are. Um, So we're tailoring these sessions so that they are mirrors of what their personality and their values are. So if they absolutely love to play video games, we'll do something that's focused around video games. If they love uh, vintage military stuff or have family that was military, we'll do military themed. And everything in between, uh, doesn't matter how contemporary or uh, old fashioned it is, we can work within that to make it so that this is a reflection of who they are and it's a well-crafted scene. Uh, Definitely pulling in to uh, heavy compositional uh, influences, making sure that we've got storytelling. If you follow like any of the PPA stuff, I try to incorporate their 12 elements into it so that I can have really nice high quality artwork that's going up for them. So when we're looking at these final images, it's not a matter of which pretty picture do I like, but... Uh, this is a cool piece of artwork, where are we going to display it at? So we've kind of shifted that narrative from the beginning and through the process. And that's through client involvement and kind of collaborating with them to make sure that we're creating something that we're both proud of. I know a lot of times people are like, well, how do I let people know the value of what I do? And everything you just said, like every, like, seven words the in my mind the price and the value and what the price should be went up another notch and another notch and another notch you know picking up what i'm putting down that it's not just saying oh i'm a good photographer and you need to have it printed but the stories that we tell the way that we approach the experience that we create tell me more absolutely everything by getting your client on board with what you're doing and working with them to create it. And it doesn't matter what genre this is, um, if it's the retro pinups or we're talking family portraits. If you can have the images be a reflection of who your client is and involve them in the process, your job is going to be so much easier all the way through. You're going to end up with unique original ideas, stuff that the clients are just glowing about. They want to tell their friends, they want to show it off, and they have fun working on it. 
And so the more that we can involve everybody in that process, it just turns into this beautiful thing where we can start working towards those nice sales, happy clients, and a strong business. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a, that integration and collaboration that, uh, that really makes the difference. I'm big on stories. Also telling clients a story of success when I'm um, having those conversations and helping them see the value of what I do. Is there a great story that you can share about what you designed for somebody that fit their whole environment and, and became a statement piece? Is there something you can pull out of your hat and share? Yeah, so uh, and this is actually kind of a, this will be a dual purpose story because it was a very unique client and a situation that I had never encountered before. And I thought this was an objection that I had not done my job in overcoming. So I had this client that was had some self-esteem issues. Um, basically, she had had uh, an accident and uh, had to go through several surgeries and everything to kind of try to find herself again and recover. I think it was a, a, a dog bite accident or something. Mm. And so uh, a lot of facial reconstruction that had gone on and was uh, kind of coming up and figuring back out who she was. And so this was uh, kind of a liberating process for her, being able to create some images that were celebrating who she was, what she looks like now, and kind of how she's changed over time. And I had a blast with it. Um, she loved vintage horror movies. And so that was a big theme, those really bad uh, B movies. This might have even been like C-level movies <laughs> that mm -hmm. she really enjoyed. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we kind of used that as a basis and a theme for uh, some of the artwork and process that we were doing. And we had a blast going through everything. And it came time to do the, the sales session with it. And uh, she could not commit to, to any of the ideas or purchasing stuff that we had talked about. Um, and I was like, uh-oh, I, I missed a step here. Did, was it the, the budget that was an issue? Did we not do it on the, were we not on the same page? What was happening here? Because I wasn't able to, to close my sale. And so I was trying to rack my brain like, okay, what's going on here? Because she could not commit to, to coming up with what her images were going to be. And so finally, I was like, okay, something's happening here because we're, we're, it's not the money issue that's going on. She's got that. She's happy with it. We've talked about budget. That wasn't what it was. She loves the images. That's not what it was. And it turns out that there was just too many choices. She didn't expect the images to be as nice as what they turned out to be. And she just absolutely loved what was happening. And she couldn't figure out what she wanted to do with them or how she wanted to do stuff because it was better than what she had expected. And kind of the, the final resolve was is that uh, she was like, okay, I, I just physically cannot do this. And so um, she had me select the images that we were going to use and decide on what all the final artwork was. She was like, Chris, you know me, you know what I like, and you have a great final vision of what we're going to create. Just make stuff for me. And whatever you think that I need to do with these images is what I want to do. Mm. <laughs> and I, that's such a cool experience when your client trusts you that much to come up with cool stuff. And they say, just send me the invoice for it and uh, make what needs to be done out of these. Uh, it was so much fun and mm. a very unique experience. That's something that I hadn't encountered before. And so it was kind of a, a fun way of creating something for our clients, seeing them so happy with the final product, and also seeing the benefit of having that relationship and that trust that comes through to it. And she did end up loving uh, the final products that we had. I think we ended up doing um, a, a calendar and a wall art statement piece that she loved it, that she came back and she had done another session uh, with me since then too. Fun. Yeah. So do you get a lot of repeat? 
when people are like, oh, that was fun. Let's do something else. Yeah, I get a fair number of it. Uh, a lot more referrals than than repeat. Uh, this isn't something that is, clients are going to come and do every year right. uh, or even few years, but maybe once every five years or so, um, I'll, I'll get a, a good chunk of clients that uh, come back and do something that's a little bit different or a different style uh, with it. So yeah, it's all about those relationships. Yes. So hey, Chris, I know that you started this conversation about the importance of having a niche and yet you have a second niche, which seems like, I don't know, yeah, double niched. So tell me about that and how that works for you. Sure. So uh, I stumbled into it by accident, uh, doing specifically actor headshots. And that almost 100% comes from my uh, theatrical background. So I am a huge theater dork. So I love, love, love being involved with live theater. And uh, everything from acting, directing to sound engineering, doesn't matter what it is. If it involves theater, I am 100% there. And so I have a ton of actor friends. And one of the things that an actor needs in order to get any work and start doing stuff is good quality headshots. That's their calling card. And so being a photographer with actor friends, uh, it didn't take too long before my friends started coming to me saying, hey, I need these headshots. And so I started doing them. And then they started getting work from them. And so they started asking me to do more and more of them. And the agents were contacting me, asking me to do headshots for their talent. And so started kind of getting into that where I had a ton of people wanting these actor headshots. And in a a pretty small area with not a lot of competition, it kind of really took off. And so I became known in my uh, theater circle for being the actor headshot guy and being represented by the uh, talent agents in town and people that were wanting to get into the industry. I kind of geek out about it, just like I do everything that I'm super passionate about and wanted to know everything that I could about actor headshots, what the current trends are, what the styles, how they're used, what casting directors look like and look for in these images, what works, what doesn't work, what gets them work, all that fun stuff. And then was also applying classical photography techniques to it. So making sure that we've got like good lighting ratios, that we've got flattering angles, good composition, uh, the sort of stuff that's kind of vital, but is often overlooked, especially where someone that's kind of entering this uh, a little bit more uh, bulk session. Um, So we spend not very much time with each person, especially compared to like doing a a retro pinup or vintage um, session where we might be in studio for several hours. This one, we're very, very short sessions in comparison and uh, started kind of finding a home doing that. And then headshots kind of got out there because turns out actors like to share their stuff and be in the public eye. And so they started sharing all of their headshots. And then I'd get local business people that wanted headshots in similar styles, something that was a little bit more interesting than your traditional corporate photograph. And so it just kind of started building and building and snowballing on itself. And so uh, between doing the the retro pinup stuff and the headshots, I had a very full workload and wasn't doing uh, any of the general purpose photography. And just over time, uh, both businesses have kept on growing really, really well. My wife's had to come on full time to to help me keep up with the uh, the workload from it all so that we can be as strategic and still offer as high quality product with it. So that's just kind of the path that we traveled to get down there. So uh, it sounds like the headshots which I, I don't really like that term, but I know in the actor world, a headshot is pretty much, you couldn't call it anything else, I'm guessing. Um, in the executive portrait world, you can get fancy. <laughs> but um, uh, it sounds like that's was the foundation of your business. And then this added niche, niche 
of the pinup is something that that blossomed out of that. So I started, uh, and this was maybe 10, 12 years ago. Uh, I was doing the, everything. So uh, weddings, seniors, babies, everything that I could possibly photograph to pay rent. And uh, both of them started kind of highlighting or rising up that this is where I'm getting repeat clients from. This is where I'm getting lots of rave reviews from. And I've got a, a full workload that I can do this full time only doing those two things. And so I decided to try to become the very best at both of those genres that I was capable of doing. And I'm still working on it, improving, learning, and growing as best I can, staying up with changes in styles and products and innovating as best as possible with it. So they, I kind of have always had the, the dual niches, which is actually how I came up with the, the name of my business. It's Heads and Tails Photography. Yeah. So a little bit uh, cheeky there uh, with the heads for headshots and the tails <laughs> for, uh, well, Oh, yep. so it's like you planted a garden and these two plants just were the ones that grew the strongest and the best and that you either thought were the prettiest or produced the best yield that that they kind of grew organically in a way. Very much so. Yeah. And then it does take a lot of strategic planning too, to make sure that we're staying on brand and not getting too big of a, a creep in terms of what we offer and what our studio is. So we get lots of requests for doing like family portraits or weddings for friends and clients. Just being a photographer and being social, it's easy to get people wanting different things. And we found that by sticking with what we love, are good at, and can uh, very confidently say that we're the expert in our area on, we're able to maintain a really strong brand. And we get a lot of respect from our clients because of that. Um, I'm not going to take every job that comes along. I'm going to stay and focus on what I do really well and help them have the best experience from that. I think one of the challenges is for people to say no to the things that, well, there's some money coming in, but there's only one of us, or in your case, there's two of you. And there's only so much time in a day and in a week and in a year. And when we do what we love and we put out that strong uh, brand of what it is we do, it actually makes it easier to be better at our craft, right? And to attract clients mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't know, Nike makes tennis shoes is what we think of first. Yeah, now they have, you know, t-shirts and other things, but they weren't making women's clothing and milk and, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that just right. came to mind, Nike. But um, so why don't you have two separate websites for the heads and then the other for the tails? That's an excellent question. And that's a kind of a topic that we juggle around quite a bit. And uh, the, the main concern, I'm going to start with the challenge first, not just on the, the website, but of having two separate brands uh, that don't necessarily go together. So we have our retro or pinup inspired stuff. And like our studio in terms of like the decor definitely has that retro vibe to it. Pinups are fun to look at. We can play with vibrant colors and really cool set pieces and things um, that doesn't necessarily align with say headshots and so when you come into the studio we've got that at kind of that personality that comes from that vintage aspect to it uh, but when I'm talking and working with corporate clients sometimes it is a turnoff to have the pinup or something that might be not safe for work associated with something that is like headshot <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> man stop by I got <laughs> Uh, we got two, two small Yorkies that hi, they wanted to yeah. say hi. They needed their famous time. Pin up Yorkies. 
I love it. They're our studio mascots. Okay. So anyway, so we've got um, these different styles and sometimes they do conflict. And uh, I've had maybe a half a dozen times uh, where I'll have a client that doesn't really want to be associated with what the pinup aspect is, uh, whether it's their own personal beliefs or it's just not corporate enough for them and they're very concerned about their corporate image. And if they want to work with you bad enough, they they make exceptions, I've found. So uh, solution for sometimes working with the corporate is that they will strip our branding off of uh, the communications and stuff that's going out to their employees. So I just go through HR basically, um, and then they convey my message when I'm working with scheduling people or uh, doing everything so that it's not associated with what the brand is, um, or they choose not to work with us, but that hasn't happened very frequently. Most of the time they see the, the quality and know, oh, okay, these people do this and they do it well, this is what we're looking for, and they care about the final product more than what that um, little hiccup is of having the brand uh, kind of a disassociated with their business. You're telling me the problems with it, but why do you do it, especially on the website? Yep, that's what I'm getting into now. So, yep, so I know that was a little bit of a preamble on what the challenges are because they are very real and it's something that we still evaluate. But the benefit of it is that when somebody comes to our website and sees more than just what that one niche is, they get a sense of the personality and the vibe of the studio. It seems a lot less scary if you're coming in for something if you can have a little bit of a teaser. So if they're looking at headshots and they see all of our retro work and our kind of retro style and they get a sense of our personality that's coming through, we're not this just this boring corporate face, uh, this pop-up place like JCPenney's that might do headshots or uh, only do that one specific thing. They know that they're getting somebody that cares about the art, the process, and the personality that comes through. Um, so it is a way of kind of giving an indicator of what we do. And it does also prime them for future relationships. I have a lot of crossover between uh, pinup and headshots where I'll have a client that comes in for one and ends up doing the other. And so um, it's a way of kind of self-referring as well. But uh, probably the biggest reason that I'm keeping the, the sites connected right now versus having two disassociated brands is the SEO benefit or the search engine optimization. Right now, um, I'm able to rank really, really highly in the, the pinup photography realm. And I get a lot of traffic from not just local, but internationally on my site because of the pinup. And so that increases my rankings like crazy, especially when I'm going in for more competitive terms. Everybody offers headshots and they might have a really nice page or an entire dedicated website to it. I can now use the rankings or the traffic that's coming from both web pages to increase my overall brand or domain authority. Uh, when you're doing or your Google searches. And when I start compiling that in with social sharing aspects, tagging, and things like that, it really starts to take effect. And so I come up really high in those rankings in my local area because I've got so much traffic mm. from the different uh, avenues. And now I do keep my social media presence like Instagram pages separate. And so I have dedicated headshot pages, dedicated pinup pages, and dedicated personal page where I share my non-on-brand work with. And the reason I have those is that social media searchings and subscriptions, like if someone's subscribing to your social media channels, they don't necessarily want to see that same set of images if they're subscribing. So if they only want to see the headshots and get use that for inspiration, I've got a page for that. They only want to see the, the pinups and they love that lifestyle, I've got a page for that. So they are, there's not the cross uh, promotion on that front. So the moral of the story yeah. in this that I'm hearing is you have thought through a, the reason, not just sort of like, well, I just don't want to have to manage two websites or I don't know what to do, but that you know 
how to use the combination together to boost both. And also for me, who is not a headshot photographer, if I were to do them, it would be intentionally to lead them into opportunities for my custom photography work. So it's like, you've got that sort of best of both worlds is what I'm hearing. And also because you do lots of actors, I can see easily how one would support the other. It's just be strategic about it. And uh, as long as you think it through and figure out what works best for you, you'll be in good shape with it. Um, I think we could 100% support our brand as two separate brands. Uh, but uh, if it it's my personality and um, our studio's personality to have them combined at this point, we'll see what the future brings. Ever though. sees a photograph of Chris, he's got a bow tie on and the coolest glasses. So when you're talking about personality and brand, he <laughs> is very uh, authentically who he is and he maintains that presence. I'm sure when you're home watching Netflix uh, and you know eating a pizza, you don't have your bow tie on. <laughs> I've, I've probably got a Star Wars. But when you're on. out and about, you you keep that brand because it's such a statement. That's uh, also who I am. Like I, I've got a pinup oh. girl tattooed on my forearm. Uh, I like to wear uh, vintage inspired clothing or like uh, uh, old bowling shirts or things like that, um, as well as bow ties and stuff that has a little bit more of that nostalgia to it. And that's just part of who I am. And so it complements and I guess it does stay on brand too. I live my brand. I guess this week is... Uh, reminiscing about Ken Whitmire week <laughs> because my interview with Don McGregor, you know, we mentioned him too. When I attended the Wall Portrait Conference the first time, had this idea of offering one of those breakout classes around branding. And I think you, you maybe were doing breakout classes, so you weren't able to sit in on mine. Is that right? Uh, well, we did it a few years, if I remember correctly. I think I have sat in on uh, uh, one of your classes, but yeah, I was also doing breakouts, I think the first year, but I think one of the other years we did. I had this little kind of thing get downloaded from wherever ideas come from, um, because I'm really big on discovering our authentic self and then bringing it into how we communicate with clients about what their experience is going to be like. And so you're like the perfect poster dude <laughs> for uh, that everything is cohesive and that you didn't come up with an idea of, I'm going to create a character who wears a bow tie and has vintage glasses. It's like, this is who you are. And then your work and your branding and everything you do, there's no surprise about what the experience will be like, because it's communicated like you're your brand and your brand is you. And then you find ways to communicate that in a professional way so that people are, if they're drawn to you, then, you know, they just really love, as I do, hanging out with you. And if that isn't their cup of tea, if they're looking for someone that always wears a suit and has a very corporate studio, well, that's not your client. But are you with me on that? Oh, yep. I, I agree. And I have found that uh, most people want personality from a photographer. Like if you have to get your headshot taken, most people don't enjoy that process. Uh, it's scary. It's intimidating, whatever that is. So having somebody that's a little bit uh, out there um, or a little bit different, that can add it, uh, some personality to it, make it a little bit more humorous, a little bit easier of a process, uh, you end up with really nice results from it. So I found that it helps more than hurts. Oh, of course. So when I do coaching, that's one of the units that we do is a, a three-part set of activities to really dig in 
and discover that authentic you and how it relates to your work and your business. Um, so I think maybe I'll, Chris, I'll use you in the future when I'm, when I'm illustrating <laughs> the topic. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's see. We're just about out of time. And I know that my listeners are like, oh no, talk some more, Chris. <laughs> um, so if they want more from you, um, how would they get in touch? Yeah, so I've got all my contact information on my website, headsandtailsphoto.com. That's H-E-A-D-S-A-N-D-T-A-I-L-S-P-H-O-T-O.com. Um, and if you scroll down to the very, very bottom of any page, there's a link that says for photographers. And if you click on that, that's got um, updates on where I'm doing workshops and presentations at, and just has general contact information uh, for both state affiliates and individual photographers. If you want to know more about the pinup genre, about branding, or I also love Photoshop and kind of that post-production process and some of the geekier things like the psychology of price lists and how to make them actually work for you. Uh, so I love coming and chatting and sharing information whenever possible. And I know you love to speak. So just a little shout out for any affiliates or states or local looking for speakers. I assume you're available virtually now and not just in person. Yeah, I think everybody has yeah. to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're getting our Zoom yeah. legs on. So um, I want to remind the listeners to stay tuned for my little bit of a wrap up on today's episode. And so Chris, if there's one thing that you want to be sure, like when, when you leave this conversation and you're like, Oh, I wish I had shared that. Is there some last little bit that you'd like to offer? I guess just be honest with who you are and what you're doing. If you find uh, specific skills or background information that you have that you combined with your passion for photography, it's going to make a successful niche for you. So if you know about uh, specific food products or you know about a particular industry or a particular style and you can incorporate your photography in with that and have it be authentic with who you are and what you're genuinely passionate about, it's going to be a big success for you. Uh, so just making sure that you're staying true to who you are. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, so thank you, Chris, so much for being on the show. And I get to take the time to sort of pick your brain a little bit and find out things I wanted to know about your business and share with my listeners. Um, I think, Chris, you were part of the team that said, yes, Lucy, have a podcast, right? Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Team Lucy. Yep. And uh, so I don't know if you know, there's been 22 downloads in 58 countries in the year since. So I'm going to say hey to everyone in those 58 countries. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's quite impressive. You're doing it. You're making your dream a reality. I love it. My dream is just to like share everything I can to help people. You're such a giver, oh, Lucy. You too. But I love to share all the smart people that I've met along the way. And then I get to meet new people. So yeah. Anyway. So, but this is all about thanking you, not about me. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. thank you, Chris Woolley. It's been a pleasure, Lucy. Thanks for having me. We'll be in touch and hopefully get to see you at conventions and stuff again. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Okay. Bye for now. Right. <laughs> bye. 
You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.